The future is now, at least according to American billionaire Mark Lore. The former Walmart executive is funding what he calls the city of the future, named Tolosa. It's planned for somewhere in the deserts of the American Southwest. Self-driving cars and energy-efficient skyscrapers are part of Lohr's vision for Tolosa. And the proposed architecture looks like something out of a science fiction movie. But will it ever become science fact? Many pundits are doubtful. Among the biggest reasons for concern is the projected price tag, $500 billion for the desert city built from scratch. Still, Lohr's committed to the long haul, calling Tolosa a lifelong project. And he expects it to be home to 5 million people by 2050. Time will tell. Whether or not Tolosa ever arises out of the desert, Christians can know that we look forward to a better city, a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. We're starting a new series this week. We're using the words of Jesus, come and see, come and see. Words he spoke to many in the New Testament. Come and see that he's the Messiah. Come and see that he was worthy to follow. This week, we're going to look at stories of conversion from God's Word, particularly from the Old Testament. And in the next few minutes, we're going to be seeing how grace came to a Syrian war hero when he met the Lord on an unimpressive riverbank. It's a story of pride and the grace of God overcoming his pride for cleansing and renewal. And speaking of conversion stories, last week we were blessed to hear the story of Lee Strobel. Lee, an atheist journalist at the Chicago Tribune, upset when his wife became a Christian, calling Jesus her Savior. So he set out to disprove that Christ was who he claimed to be. Where would you start? Unless you want to do two years of seminary, I'd say go straight for the jugular. The entire Christian faith hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. If it didn't happen, it's a house of cards. He's reduced to a misunderstood rabbi at best. Worst, he's a lunatic who was martyred. For a guy who thinks I'm trying to assassinate Christianity, you sure you want to hand me that gun? I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to pull the trigger. A scene from the DVD called The Case for Christ, based on the real-life story of Lee Strobel. In that scene, Lee talking with a Christian co-worker. Lee began to investigate whether the claims of Christ were true. He was at first a skeptic. And then he was surprised at what God showed him. You know, God calls us in different ways based on, I think, who we are and how he's kind of wired us up. And for me, I needed the evidence. I needed the facts. I needed to know for sure that this is true. And so after two years of doing that, of using my investigative skills to check out the evidence, I came to the point on November the 8th of 1981 where I just was alone in my room and I put down all of the evidence on a yellow legal pad and just sat back and said, literally, in light of this evidence, it would take more faith to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. And then I read John 1, 12. It says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Wow. And so then I got it. I got the point that, okay, I believe this, that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, based on the evidence, but I had another step. I had to receive this gift of his grace this gift of forgiveness and eternal life that he purchased on the cross when he died as my substitute to pay for all of my sin. And so I prayed and confessed a lifetime of immorality 
and uh, received this free gift of forgiveness and eternal life and um, became, according to John 1.12, a child of God. That's Lee Strobel talking about how he came to know Christ as his Savior. And after the program, I want to send you a copy of the feature film about his conversion to Jesus called The Case for Christ. This movie is an honest as well as an inside look into the life of a skeptic. But it's also a wonderful resource showing how Christianity can stand up to the hardest questions. And I believe it'll build your confidence in the Word of God. And the DVD is full of special features and interviews. Now, let me say we're hearing from so many people who are saying that they're looking forward to watching this film and sharing it with others. It's a great way to start conversations about finding faith in Jesus. So after the program, why don't you call us? Would you make a generous gift to this listener-supported ministry, and we'll send it to you right away, the Case for Christ DVD. The number to call after the program is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website after the program. It's haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, watch the movie trailer and some excerpts from this inspiring film. And now let's get the program started. We open with Matthew West and the wonderful cross. When I survey the Contempt on 
Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. Matthew West opened the program with the wonderful cross. And we're in a new series today called Come and See. We're going to be looking at stories this week of conversion from God's Word, particularly in the Old Testament. I want us to look at how grace humbled a Syrian war hero when he met the Lord on an unimpressive riverbank. It's a story of pride and the grace of God overcoming that pride for cleansing and renewal. And I'm thinking of the man called Naaman, and his story is found in 2 Kings 5. Naaman, Scripture says, was captain of the armies of Aram. That's central Syria today. The opening verse tells us he was in high favor with his master, the king of Syria, because he gained victory in battle. He was a valiant warrior in every sense. Naaman was a big shot. Christian businessman Howard E. Butt in Texas, once chairman of the HEB grocery store chain, gave a speech years ago called The Art of Being a Big Shot. He made a profound observation about the nature of pride. Here's what he said. I'm appealing to me to feel that I am the master of my fate, that I run my own life, call my own shots, go it alone. But that feeling is my basic dishonesty. I could call that by another word, pride, my basic dishonesty. That's very perceptive, don't you think? Isn't pride the basic dishonesty in us all? And you know, you don't have to be a big shot. You don't have to be rich and famous to fall prey to this concept that you can go it alone. From the time we were little kids, it's ingrained in us that I can do it all by myself stage. We all know that and love that. But then again, it's not really just a stage, is it? That attitude grows up right along with us. That pride is the basic dishonesty in all of our hearts. Howard went on to say in that same speech, when I'm conceited, I'm lying to myself about what I am. I'm pretending to be God and not man. My pride is the idolatrous worship of myself, and that is the national religion of hell. Well, back to 2 Kings, Naaman's pride gets chipped away through the whole story of his conversion. For all his glory, we're told right off the bat that Naaman had a serious problem. The word drops like a bomb at the end of verse 1, if you read it as it was written in Hebrew. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, leper. Well, there it is, leper. Naaman had a horrible, disfiguring, debilitating skin disease. An Israelite who had what was called leprosy would be sent outside the camp to live. When the word leper drops, just there it is at the end of verse 1. It would be heard as a picture of a terrible curse of sin. But let me add to this. Naaman didn't just need a physical cleansing. He needed to be cleansed from his sin. Naaman didn't just need healing. He needed to find grace. The way Naaman comes and sees the grace of God is very humbling every step of the way. For one thing, he learns there's hope to be found in Israel, 
from the most unlikely place, a little Israelite servant girl, probably taken captive on a Syrian raid and given to Naaman's wife as a servant. The mighty war hero Naaman needed the kindness of a little captive Israelite girl, and the girl told Naaman's wife, Would that my lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Even big shot Naaman decides it's worth a shot. So he takes letters from the king of Syria along with loads of money and and goods to give in exchange for his cleansing, and he goes to Israel. Eventually, his entourage arrives at the house of the prophet Elisha. He has a padded wallet. He's ready to bargain. He makes his appearance in grand style with all his attendants at Elisha's front door, and Elisha doesn't even come to the door. Another sledgehammer blow to Naaman's pride. Elisha sends his servant to tell him what he has to do. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. Now that really got under Naaman's skin, his leprous skin. We're told that he went off in a rage. What was he thinking? He was thinking, well, that's a muddy little river in Israel. There are better rivers in Syria. How dare this prophet Elisha? Why didn't he just come and wave his hand over me and heal me? I came all the way to him. Well, what was happening here? God's grace essentially tells this five-star general, this commander, to strip off his uniform and bathe in a dirty backwater. The lesson here is that the cleansing power of the Lord only comes when we humble ourselves before the Lord. Does grace ever get under your skin like that? Surely there's something we have to do to be saved, we think. That's what the average person thinks Christianity is all about. And if you're listening today and you're not a Christian, maybe this describes you. Truth be told, many who call themselves Christians believe this lie as well. Do good things, tip the scales in your favor. We work so hard at it that we're indignant at the freeness, the gift of God's grace. Is God seriously going to ignore a resume like that? Absolutely. What you can do has nothing to do with it. The way to grace is actually simple. We see it in what Naaman's servants told him. My father... If the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? The message of the gospel is simple. Wash, be clean. We just have to cry out with the psalmist, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin in Psalm 51, verse 2. Can grace really be free for the asking? Yes, grace is free but it's more costly than you can imagine. Here's what's so amazing, though. Just like Naaman, we can be cleansed from our sin because there was one who needed no cleansing, the perfect and holy Son of God who took on flesh and dwelt among us, and he was washed in the Jordan River. Fast forward to the New Testament with me. John the Baptist looks up and sees the Lamb of God coming to be baptized. And remember what he shouted? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why would Jesus need to be baptized? Well, that was John the Baptist's question. And Jesus replied, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this 
to fulfill all righteousness. And that's when John, his cousin, consented. And that's out of Matthew 3. The spotless Lamb of God was washed in the Jordan River. Why, you might ask? Well, I think Jesus was baptized to identify with us. He was taking up our cause so that we could be cleansed and counted as righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Naaman finally humbled himself. He did eventually wash in the Jordan River, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Here is Naaman, the poster child for the basic dishonesty of pride. But what happens? Grace then got under his skin, and he humbled himself. And because he humbled himself, he was cleansed, and he was converted, and his skin was made new, and his heart is made just as new. We know he's not just cleansed from his disease, but also from sin, because just after he confesses his faith. Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. And he begins to process what this newfound faith will mean when he goes back to his post in Aram, this proud big shot, humbly receiving God's free grace. Well, that's what grace does. It leads us to confess that God is God not us. It humbles us, leads us to our only hope in Jesus, and drives us to seek his will in all we do. We need that cleansing grace today. We need that heart-transforming conversion that removes our basic dishonesty of pride and replaces it with a humble dependence. And you know who we need to depend. His name is Jesus, and he is our true king.
praise song sung by the unmistakable voice of Steve Green. That's majesty. Here I am. And this is Haven Today. And we're starting a series this Monday called Come and See. And I'd like to invite you to join me all week. We'll be looking at conversion stories from the Old Testament. And just like Naaman, having to humble himself and wash in a muddy river, Lee Strobel eventually had to humble himself before a holy God as well. Before that, he was resistant. He simply didn't believe. He was a skeptic that could only see the facts in front of his eyes. So when his wife came home and said, I'm now a Christian, he knew he needed to persuade her with the facts and disprove the resurrection that's recorded in the New Testament. Well, maybe you've faced someone like this in your life. In the feature film based on Lee Strobel's life called The Case for Christ, it retraces his own spiritual journey to Christianity. Now, this film is well-produced. It has two Academy Award-winning actors in it, and it'll be a wonderful resource that will show you how Christianity stands up to the hardest questions and will build your confidence in the Word of God. Barbara in Michigan and Ruth in Arizona both asked for a copy and said they can't wait to see the movie. What about you? Please call us right now. Would you be as generous as you possibly can? We are a listener-supported ministry. I know we say that all the time, but we really are. So can you help us as we're wrapping up one of our lowest giving months of the year? But when you do get in touch with us, please keep it on the generous side if you possibly can, but then also ask for a copy of the DVD, The Case for Christ, filled with bonus features, interviews with... Lee and Leslie Strobel, why don't you call us right now? And the number to call is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, watch the movie trailer and those clips that we put up from this film. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when on Tuesday, together, we'll share again the great story. That story, it never grows old. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. We've all seen it. The ladders that can reach heights over 30, maybe even 40 feet, they're intimidating. Imagine how Jacob felt in Genesis 28. He saw a ladder reach down from heaven to the very place he was. And on that ladder, angels going up, going down. It was the gateway to heaven. But there's always something curious about that story. Jacob doesn't get to climb it. No one calls to him and tells him to start climbing like Jack with his beanstalk. No, instead the Lord calls down. A little glimpse into the gospel. Christ entered the world to save sinners. We don't go up. He comes to us. Not to condemn, but to save. Find daily encouragement in God's word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at getanchor.com.